Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down, here wherever you get your podcast. My name is Kenny, his name is Finn, you know who we are. We're here every week for your audio pleasure. Finn, how are you feeling today? Kenny, I'm alright, yes. It's been a bit of a bit of a chaotic day at the Martin residence. We've just been having a new boiler fitted, so, you know, it's all rather dull. It's not exactly podcast fodder, but that's dominated today. But I'm up today on my wrestling, I've watched my WWE so I'm ready to roll. Ready to roll. Yeah, well, the thing is, you'll be very happy that new boiler this winter. You know, when it's oh. a cold night, you need to stick it on. You're going to be, you know, so smug sitting there. Oh, I'm going to be. I'm having two new radiators fitted tomorrow because they're underpowered. 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 So, yeah, we're going to be just toasty. There you go. Well, listen, let's get into the wrestling that's been happening over the last few days in WWE. You can listen, by the way, to Robert and I on Patreon talking about Collision and obviously the big MJF uh, and Adam Cole uh, FTR match, the punk stuff. So uh, that's up on Patreon right now. You can hear that. But let's dive into SmackDown. Obviously, one of the big uh, parts of the show is the continuing rivalry with Jay Uso and Roman Reigns. We had the opening promo where you know they were going back and forth and Roman's trying to kind of plant these seeds of, uh, you know... Doubt. 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 
doubt, you know, if it was, if it wasn't, if Jimmy didn't get injured, you would have never been my right hand man. You know, what was the first thing you did when Jimmy got injured? You were wanting a title shot. You know, so he's trying to paint all this doubt and trying to, you know, make Jay second guess himself. Roman says, you can never beat me. Uh, and Jay said, uh, I've already beat you. I pinned you. I'm the only one to do it. And at SummerSlam, I'm going to beat you again. And we had that, but then Jay ended up being approached by Grayson Waller backstage. That leads us to the main event being set up when Jay clocks someone. Uh, Roman Reigns is there in the chair uh, with Solo and Heyman while Jay's facing Grayson Waller. Jay gets the win over him. And then afterwards, uh, Jay tries to to overcome the attack from Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns, but he is not able to, by the end, Reigns is standing tall with the title. How did they do, Finn, on this show with the Jay Uso and Roman Reigns stuff in terms of getting you hyped for the big SummerSlam tribal combat match? Um. Yes, I mean, I thought they did well. There was there was a there was a moment there when Jay smashed into Reigns with the spear, where I realised I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't want to accept this. I didn't want to acknowledge this, Kenny. But kind of felt like Roman Reigns was right because it was only when Jay slammed into Roman Reigns with the spear that the audience erupted. So it does feel like Jay's star is being held up by Roman Reigns's, you know, mega star power. And if it wasn't for Roman Reigns, Jay wouldn't be in this position. So, I mean, there is something there, you know, about the heel being right. The heel is not supposed to be right. When the heel brags, we're supposed to say, no, you are wrong. You are a braggart. You are exaggerating your importance. And if you'd really drill down into what, or rather how the audience responded to Jay's actions on this program, you did, you know, I came to the conclusion that actually Roman was right. So I was a bit conflicted by the end of the show. Um, but I mean, I really enjoyed it. I mean, Jay was in the ring. He was joined by Roman Solo Sokoa and Paul Heyman. You know, Ren said that people like um, Usos, um, you know, people only like the Usos because of him, Reigns, took credit for making Jay the right-hand man and main event Jay Uzo. I made you that, Reigns said to Jay. Um, Jay said that, you know, he once believed in Reigns, but he broke the family, the bloodline, and Jimmy. Jay blamed Reigns for all of that, but Reigns was having none of it. He tried to pin the blame on Jay for all of that. That then led to the section where Reigns claimed that Jay couldn't beat him. Uh, but then Jay pointed out that he had pinned him at Money in the Bank, first person to do so since Baron Corbin. No one talks about <laughs> that for some reason on WWE TV. First Shocker. person to do so since Baron Corbin at TLC 2019. So Jay, Jay pointed out that he had you know, pinned Reigns and would do so again at SummerSlam. And uh, Reigns did look worried. He looked really concerned there when Jay brought this to his attention. And Jay was obviously right. And as you say, then Jay then ran into Grayson Waller backstage. I mean, Grayson tried to invite Jay onto the Grayson Waller effect. I mean, that and that ended very badly when he invited John Cena onto his talk show. And it ended really badly here as well for Grayson because Jay lamped him. And then that led to the main event match, which Jay won. I think Grayson did have quite a lot of offense in the match, but it was inevitable, wasn't it, Kenny, that Jay would win? I mean, Grayson was once again 
put in a rather difficult situation, a rather difficult position here. I haven't worked out yet whether they really like Grayson Waller or if this is some sort of cruel initiation ceremony, because almost every match or situation in which he's placed, he's almost, you know, set up to fail, isn't he? Yeah, I can't quite work out what the what the MO is for what they, what they want from him. But what I think is a positive is I feel like he is shining in the moments that he's getting. Like, I think he's someone who, when he first came to the main roster, I was a bit, you know, kind of not that, not that fussed about him. But I think that when he's been out there with Edge and he's been, you know, kind of in this with Jay, I think he's holding himself pretty well for someone who has not been in this level of spotlight before. So I think it's way better now than kind of at the beginning when he was doing these Grayson Wallet effects and the guests were just kind of outshining him every time, you know, with like that. The particular one was the women's one before Money in the Bank, where they were all kind of, you know, shouting over him. So yeah. I think at least he's kind of maximizing his minutes, um, which, you know, you have to do. Um, but... I mean, he just needs a big win, though, doesn't he? He needs a program that he can win, not to be booked against people that he can't beat. You know, clearly, you know, it's obviously booked. I understand that. But we knew that Waller was not going to defeat Jay. We knew that because Jay is facing Roman Reigns at SummerSlam this Saturday. So there was no way Waller was going to score the pin here. But they they have put him in two SmackDown main events now. So, I mean, that hopefully that gives him a little bit of confidence that, like, you know, while maybe they don't see me as a top guy or anything yet, they are putting me in some positions of confidence. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I guess you could say that, you know, the flip tap, I'm, maybe I'm just being a bit down on this because, I mean, these are big spots he's been put in, the main event matches. Um, you know, it's a high-pressure situation. I think I've been a fan of Waller for a very long time, probably ever since the AJ Styles match in NXT, which I think was January of last year, I think it was. That was the turning point for me and Waller. I never really saw a whole lot in him prior to that match, but I thought he really excelled himself on that night. And I was like, wow, this guy's really got it. I think that was last year. Was that last year? Or was that yes. this year? I think it was last year, right? Yeah, last year. Yeah, it was last year. Of course it was last year. Yeah, um, because, yeah absolutely it was. So, um, but I thought he did well here against Jay. It was just, but it, my point is that it was a match that he couldn't win. Yeah. So there was no real drama over the outcome. I mean, Roman, Solo and Heyman came out to watch. I thought Reigns was a riot at ringside. Every time Jay was on offense, Reigns looked, you know, a trifle concerned. Every time Waller was on offense, you know, Reigns was there looking smug and self-satisfied. Um, Jay won after a spear and an Uso splash. Um, so I think that really upset Reigns. Afterwards, Solo attacked Jay. Uh, Jay took out Solo with a super kick uh, and then hit Reigns with the aforementioned spear. And that was when the crowd really came alive. And you're like, wow, you know, it's the interaction with Reigns, you know, that people want to see from Jay. And Jay, without Reigns, is he a super big deal? Mm, well, we'll see, I guess, this Saturday. Well, we won't see this Saturday because he's in there with Reigns. You know <laughs> what I mean? We'll see, I guess, yeah. after SummerSlam. Um I so do fans want... went well to... Sorry, Kenny, I'll just quickly whiz through the, end of the rest of this. So then Solo saved uh, Reigns from um, Jay's splash, and then Reigns speared Jay as Solo hit the spike, and then they did the spear-spike combo again, and Jay was left motionless on the mat, Kenny. Annihilated. Annihilated, yeah. I, mean, I, I thought the whole thing was, was pretty good. You know, back to your point earlier about 
the doubt and you agree with Roman Reigns and what he was saying. I do wonder if one of the avenues they might go down is maybe this is planting the seed for Jimmy to turn on Jay and for well, Jimmy to go back with Reigns. You know, that, if he, that has occurred to me as well. I think that may happen. Because, you know, the Usos did a sit-down interview with Ariel Hawani before Money in the Bank. And they did say that their dream is to have a WrestleMania match against each other. That is their goal. They, they, they want to have that happen. And I think if you were to do, you know, Jimmy, if you were to do that with Jimmy and he goes back with Roman, it actually kind of opens up maybe Sami Zayn can get back involved and be there for Jay, which takes us back to the history they've got together. Yeah. Um, and it, it gives, you know, Jason backup. So I think that's something they could do. Um, and and then you've still got the kind of long-term thing of Solo. You know, not not 100% seem like he's on Roman's side. But I think if they were to do the Jimmy turn, this stuff that they're, they're building makes it feel like it's part of the story rather than a swerve role type moment that, you know, we would get in the past. So, yeah, I think if they do it, I think it would be a good way to kind of give Jey Uso an out. You know, if Jey Uso was to have Roman Reigns pinned to win the title, it's all set to happen and Jimmy's the one to cost him it. That's a pretty powerful story to tell with him. Well, it is, yeah. I mean, it's tribal combat, so we know there's going to be all sorts of weapons and wandering around and maybe they'll end up backstage. So there can be not loads of interference. I'm sure there will be, and that's legal under these rules. So, I, I, yeah, I do feel like Jimmy will be involved in the finish and potentially to help Reigns win. I mean, I can't see Jay winning, but I think I think they will persuade us that he might, and that's good enough for me. You know, if they yeah. can convince me that he might win, then they've achieved their objective. Um, elsewhere on the show, uh, we did have um, the uh, the match with Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar, the yeah. f- final of the US Invitational. Uh, unfortunately, Mysterio got injured. Um, he had done like a suicide dive, and that appeared to really, you know, muck him up. And when we came back from break, he was being sort of tended to by uh, a medical staff and the referee and the referee informed the, the ring announcer Mike Rome that uh, Ray is unable to continue so Escobar as the winner uh, via medical stoppage I guess would be the term so yeah Santos wins I mean it's a shame because it was kind of a bit of a wet far ending for Santos but at the same time you know you mentioned before is Santos going to go heel this could be a part of that story you could weave it in um, by sort of saying, you know, in my moment of winning, everybody was thinking about you. You know, there's you, you can yeah. you can use it as part of the story. I think, even though, you know, it's obviously really concerning when something like this happens. But I thought they they did as much as they could to kind of keep Ray safe but recover what they what they needed to get out of it. Yeah, I mean, they showed because um, Santos hit uh, Ray with like a tope, and Ray fell backwards and hit his head and. He seemed kind of groggy after that, didn't he? He just didn't seem like he was 100%. They did the right thing stopping the match, obviously. But I think it was actually, in some ways, the perfect ending for Escobar because had Escobar beaten Ray, I don't think... I think people probably would have booed him and that might have been problematic for him. So for him to win via ref stoppage, people could accept that one and then they had a hug afterwards. So Ray you know, endorse Santos, you know, well done. And it did seem like 
a stage status or stature enhancer for Escobar to score this win. Mm-hmm. I think they called it on commentary the biggest match of his main event of his main roster career, which I think was fair. I don't think that was an exaggeration at all. So yeah, Santos versus Austin Theory for the US title a week on Friday, doesn't he? The uh, the first SmackDown after SummerSlam. So I mean, that's going to be a big match for him. I don't think he's going to win, but I mean, if he has a good showing uh, and the audience are behind him, the audience actually were really into this match, weren't they? Yeah, they were. It sounds so. like Santos is making gains, making strides here. You know, he's had some, you know, big win over Austin Theory and the audience were into that. The fans were with him and Ray here in this match that Santos won by ref stoppage. And now he receives, you know, the title match uh, a week on Friday. That'll be the uh, August 11th episode, won't it? Yes. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and the, the means justified the ends and yeah, maybe it has been better for Santos and how, how it played out anyway. So, Someone who we have been, you know, concerned about Finn, about where he's going to become SummerSlam is Mr. L.A. Knight, um, who got a win here over uh, one of Hit Row, Ashanti Adonis. Yeah. I mean, he had, a, he had a great line to top dollar about how he, you know, he knows Will Smith's, uh, Will Smith's in the game, but he didn't know Uncle Phil became a rapper. And uh, <laughs> if you've seen Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Uncle Phil, that is probably not a compliment to top dollar, who's like 25 years younger. Um, but but the story is later on in the show. Michael Cole announced there will be a SummerSlam Battle Royal, um, presented by Slim Jim. Oh yeah, presented by Slim Jim. These snap into it. These sponsored matches follow Ellie Knight around, so oh, he's going to be in the Battle Royal. Uh, Sheamus <laughs> comes in. They go back and forth. How are you how are you feeling about it? Uh, about the fact that Ellie Knight is on SummerSlam, but it's the Battle Royal. Oh, now I'm having flashbacks to the Mountain Dew pitch black match. <laughs> I think I think the thing is, I think even if they tried, it couldn't be as bad as that. No, it couldn't be. It just could not be as bad as no. that. Um, I mean, it's hard to know what to say because I thought Knight was in with a real shot winning Money in the Bank at Money in the Bank and he didn't. And, you know, again, they've conditioned us to believe that Knight is going to win this battle royal and he might not. I mean, he's still over. The audience, the goodwill's still there. The audience still believes in him. I mean, they've got to make their move with Knight, I would say, within the next four to six weeks. Otherwise, that window of opportunity will close. Pardon the cliche, the pun or whatever. But I just think it will. And, you know, the audience... He's there with him. They believe in Knight. They want him to be a big star. But you know it works with these, you know, pushes and these sort of when the audience have really got a buzz for talent. They really, the, the company has to capitalise on it. They've got to move. They can't squander it. So I really hope that if Knight doesn't win this battle royal, something big happens for him late August, early September. Um, yeah. Yeah, this, was a, this was a nice little spot for him against... Ashanti the Adonis. I thought it was a nice little squash match. I thought Adonis actually did a great job selling for Knight here. So, I mean, you know, people don't normally give props to the guy who loses, especially when he loses, con- you know, conclusively, convincingly, decisively. But I thought Ashanti really sold and put Knight over here. I thought he looked, he actually thought he looked great in defeat and Knight looked really good in victory. Yeah. And I think, you know, th- th- I mean, I feel like we say this every month. I'm a broken record now, but I feel like. Ellie Knight winning the Battle Royal at SummerSlam is kind of the perfect thing because it gives him a win 
a big win compared to, you know, just these kind of smaller wins on TV. So I hope they do. Um, but I've seen many battle royals before where the person who's really over who should win does not, and somebody really random wins it. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I mean, just quickly, I mean, I think it's got to be night theory. I mean, that's the. I think that's a really good program for both. I wrote this in the latest issue of Inside the Ropes magazine. Yeah. La Knight, Austin Theory. I, you know, I hope Austin Theory retains against Santos Escobar, and Theory next defends against Knight because I think both of them will would really make gains from that feud. Yeah, hundred um, percent. We did get Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair as a reluctant team um, taking on the women's tag champ Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green. And Bianca and Charlotte got the win over them. Um, and uh, yeah, what did, what did you think of this uh, of them beating the champs? Well, I thought Charlotte Flair looked better this week um, against Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville. I mean, it was better performance. Flair basically stole the pinfall from Belair, and then Belair and Sh- Belair and Flair argued afterwards. I mean, Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville. I mean, they're the women's tag team champions and they're just kind of like jobbers, aren't they? I mean, they just no I mean, no one really can take them seriously. And the I know it's kind of a in joke where they're saying, We're the most dominant, best women's tag team champions ever. So I know we're supposed to laugh at this. But I mean, Green and Deville, the tag champs, they shouldn't be losing matches, especially to reluctant partners. I mean, really they Green and Deville should have won this one maybe by count out after Flair and Belair had fallen out and started scrapping at ringside. I think that would be a better outcome for the tag team champions and would have done more to further the Flair and Belair feud. Obviously, it's Flair versus Belair versus Asuka at SummerSlam. So, yeah, I mean, it was a better performance by Flair, but I think they could have done more with this match than they did that would have been helpful to all concerned. I think it was a bit of a Miscue, really, a bit of a step backwards, you know, certainly for the tag team champions. Yeah, I, I would agree. This, this this annoyed me, to be honest. I just thought, you know, you get these women's tag champs who they need to kind of be taken a bit more seriously and they could have easily got some sort of cheap win here in some way, which they could then have used to, you know, prop themselves up or whatever. And instead they just got beat by these two people who are at odds. And yeah, it just... It, it, it felt they just kind of went for the the laziest, the laziest uh, outcome on that one. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just lacked imagination, ambition. I mean, I guess I suppose it did serve a purpose in that we know that Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair don't like each other, but we knew that beforehand. Yeah. So what was? I guess it furthered that slightly, but yeah, bit of a yeah, kind of kind of blew it here. Really, um, kind of blew a really good opportunity to give Green De- Deville. I like a count out or a DQ win that they could have then bragged about. Indeed. Um, now, I have not had a chance to watch the NXT Great American Bash yet. Um, do, should we cover that on, on Power Slam? Should we cover that later? Or have you, have you had a chance to see some of it? Yeah, I've I, seen it all. Okay. But yeah, we can we can cover that on cover, yeah. cover that on Power Slam. Yeah, we'll, um, yeah, we'll yeah, do so that. I'll have, a, yeah, cause I'll have a chance to watch kind of the top three matches. Um, and it'd be good to kind of, you know, it'd be good to, good to cover it. So we'll cover that. Uh, on on Power Slam because um, we're pre-recording that before I go to Detroit, so that will give us something to talk about. Um, let's move on to Raw instead, the Go Home Show for 
uh, SummerSlam. Can we just talk, Finn, about the sensational video packages, sit-down interviews with Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey? I mean, what a production job this was to, to sell us on this match and to sell us on the history of them. I mean... I can't quite. I almost had to do a double take that that something that involved Ronda Rousey was so good. I couldn't <laughs> I, quite believe it. I wonder how many hours of footage they had to film in order <laughs> to get footage that was usable. Because I mean, it, she she came across really quite emotional, didn't she? At times, and so did Shane. I mean, at one point, Ronda was in tears. I don't know if she knows how we know she knows how we knows how we feel watching our matches. Oh, exactly. I'd say um, we've all been in tears for the last. What is it, 18, 19 months or something? <laughs> but I mean, I, 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 and I read uh, just before we came on air, I read on PW Torch that apparently Jeremy Borash was the guy behind these videos with some help from Paul Heyman, which when you see that, you can kind of, I mean, it becomes fairly clear when you see that. that it, obviously, Heyman's had a, a, a handprint on it. But um, yeah. yeah, I just thought a, a phenomenal. If you, like if you've not watched Raw, I mean, they put it on. They put it on the WWE YouTube channel. The full thing, it's like seven minutes forty nine seconds. Go out of your way to see it. It is excellent. And um, and at the end, you know, Shayna says she's the god godmother to Ronda's child. She was the first person after Ronda's mom and Ronda's husband to hold the baby. But that the, the goddaughter is going to never be able to forgive Shayna what she does to Ronda at SummerSlam in this MMA rules match. So I'm feeling quite optimistic about this match and about Shayna getting this big win that I think Ronda's going to give her so she can use that to kind of go forward. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, I mean I mean Shane, as we know, she's been on the main roster now since was it 21 they brought her up? I think it was, wasn't it? Was it early 21? It was. Was it early 20? It's, uh, been, a while. It, it's been a while. It was because she faced uh, Becky Lynch, didn't she, at WrestleMania tw- in 21, I believe it was? No, she, she, faced, she faced Becky at WrestleMania in 2020 because she, pande- she did the pandemic one. So she did, I think she came up at the beginning of 2020. 2020, okay, yeah. Um, blimey, it's a long time, isn't it? So she's been on the main road, but I mean, she had that long run there with Nia Jax and she's done a lot of different things and nothing's really, you know, sparkled for her. I mean, you know, it's felt at times like she's really been making progress and and the, she's really been establishing a connection with the audience and then it's just sort of 
fizzled out. Um, and these interviews here, I think, I think were definitely a good start for her in terms of becoming a new person, assuming she does defeat Ronda in this MMA rules match. Surely she will, because the whole way these interviews were presented were that Ronda was kind of bragging that she was superior to Shayna when they, you know, were training together and were, you know, fighters. Obviously, she's the biggest star. And these were designed to present Shayna as the underdog, weren't they? Yeah. Um, certainly the first one, Shayna was the baby face and Ronda was the villain. Definitely. And in the second one, there was moments there where it sort of, I think we were supposed to sort of root for Ronda. Um, but I think by the end, when she was saying, you know, how many times did, ask Shayna how many times I tapped her out, you know, when we were like sparring. And she was definitely bragging about her superiority over Shayna as a fighter. So I think that's going to come back to haunt Ronda. And this really has to be Shayna's big career defining career and stature enhancing victory over her longtime best friend at SummerSlam. I mean, it's inconceivable, isn't it, really, that Ronda would win in what we assume is her last match for the company? Yeah. And especially it's, it's like her best friend. You know, why would she not put it over? It makes yeah. it would make no sense. So I think, uh, yeah, I think can't say can't say enough good things about this uh, this video package and sit down is tremendous. Um, Definitely, and it was great that Ronda there. She slowed down her speaking and she was relaxed and she was comfortable. And um, you know, when she's in front of an audience, she has a tendency to speak too quickly, so she's almost incomprehensible at times. You know, it's very difficult to understand her. Um, but here, she came across as a real person, didn't she? Rather than, you know, whatever it is she's supposed to be when she's hearing in front of an audience. Because it's like she's, it's like it's, re- it's like she's not really a larger than life character when she appears in front of an audience. She should be, but she really isn't. But she's very difficult to understand. And I think she's quite awkward as a person. But she seemed really relaxed here. And seemed like she was enjoying herself and she was able to get points across. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to the next thing. So we opened the show with Logan Paul uh, and Ricochet doing a promo. Um, Logan Paul said that he was victimised and abused by Ricochet last week. And then Ricochet comes out. Um, they have a kind of back and forth. And then in the end, um, Logan Paul says he's going to beat him at SummerSlam. But then he says, you know, I do need to remind you, though, you know, Samantha Irvin over there, the ring announcer, she's your girl, and I hope there'll be no hard feelings when she announces me as the winner. And that, of course, gets them into a fight. And um, it was, you know, it was good to bring something personal into it for Ricochet because it kind of made him feel more like a real person. So I, I, I thought this segment was pretty good in terms of adding another another little layer to the the match on Saturday. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was a big spot for Ricochet. You know, the show opening segment, I mean, Logan Paul, as you said, said they'd been victimised and abused last week by Ricochet, and Paul was booed really loudly. I mean, can you can you believe, like, like a year ago, this guy wanted to be a babyface? I mean, it's just <laughs> like, why? I mean, he's just, this guy was just born to be a pro wrestling heel. Uh, Ricochet said that Paul was an awful human being. Lots of people would agree with that. Uh, but, re- but he respected the fact that he was an athlete and a showman. Um, Paul said that Ricochet was one of the best to do it 
until he showed up. I thought that was a great line. Uh, Paul and pointed out that the ring announcer was Ricochet's fiance, Samantha Irving, and uh, hoped that Ricochet wouldn't feel too bad when his gal announced him as the winner at SummerSlam, and that led to a big scrap. And this time it was Paul who drilled Ricochet and knocked him down, laid him out, and Paul had the last laugh. Uh, so which he needed, I think, this week after Ricochet had humiliated him in uh, previous uh, confrontations. Yeah, for for sure. Um, elsewhere on the show, because we, we had we had a build to all the kind of big matches that are going to be on SummerSlam. We did also have Maxine Dupree's singles match against Valhalla, um, which you know she tried. She tried. <laughs> um, it wasn't. I don't think we're going to look back on it as a sort of work of art. No. Um, but, but I believe, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but I believe that Maxine Dupree actually used like a fairly popular like uh, Japanese w- women's suplex thing at the end. The Japanese ocean cyclone suplex. Yes. And um, people were quite surprised she was able to pull that off um, in her first match. But um, I mean, the crowd, the crowd were still into it regardless of whether it was very good. And really, that's kind of what is the most important thing, is to do with where the crowd is into it. And, yeah. you know, it's like, I mean, I'll give you an example. You look at this, compared to on Collision this past weekend, I watched Mercedes Martinez and Kira Hogan, right? And they're both fine, but nobody cared about their match because they're not characters who are, any, are in any sort of story on the show. Yeah, Maxine and Valhalla have been in this kind of really fun uh, Alpha Academy and Viking Raiders thing for a while, so the fans are kind of into the angle, so it doesn't really matter if the match isn't really that great. <laughs> you know, I believe I wrote the words in the latest issue of the magazine, you know, after their six-person triumph, well, you know, they won, or oh, I'm not sure if it was a triumph, six-person triumph in terms of they won the match, I think Rob words the effect of, you know, Maxine did all right, but hopefully that doesn't mean that WWE will rush her into singles matches. And what happened on the July 31st Raw? She was in a singles match, her first one of her career. I mean, it was okay. Yeah. But I mean, I don't want to see Maxine in any more singles matches. Uh, you know, the the crowd basically carried this one. I thought Valhalla actually did a really good job with Maxine. I imagine they'd rehearsed it numerous times. They didn't get lost. Everything looked okay. But you can see Maxine's really new to this. And, you know, she did well, you know, to cope under the pressure. So, I mean, I'm not faulting her. I'm not belittling her. But I just don't think she's ready for this spot. Um, and, yeah, I was I was amazed when she did the Japanese Ocean Cyclone suplex <laughs> for the finish, which they didn't call by name. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's definitely some humour there because that was the finisher of Manami Toyota, who to me is the greatest female wrestler ever. And uh, just hilarious that Maxine Dupree would use that as a finisher. There's just humour on so many levels there. <laughs> um, elsewhere, now, you know, obviously we, we just talked about a women's match, but a couple of women's matches are off of SummerSlam. Um, we had a, a, an angle, the Judgment Day were out. And they were obviously bragging about all the stuff they've done, all the damage they've done to people like Kevin Owens, Liv Morgan. And then Raquel Rodriguez came out and her and Ripley ended up having a brawl. And then Raquel ended up uh, uh, 
uh, getting they're fighting, and then Dom distracts Raquel. So Ripley chop blocks her, and then Raquel sort of sells the knee pain. Obviously, she's already supposed to be not cleared. So Ripley then kicks the bad knee again, and this is apparently, as of now, the way to write it off the show, which I'm quite surprised at because Ripley's a big name, a big, big character on Raw, and I mean, if, especially if Becky and Trish isn't happening, I would have thought you would have wanted to keep Raquel and uh, Rhea on the show. So I'm a bit kind of, I don't know, perplexed why it's off. Yeah, so am I. Because, um, I mean, Dominic Mysterio, he's not booked on the show, is he? Nope. So, I mean, they always like to have Rhea on the show, either at least in the ringside role, because she you know, brings a lot of value to Dominic Mysterio or Judgment Day matches. Presumably she'll be at ringside you know, during the Finn Balor versus uh, Seth Rollins match. So she still will participate, I imagine. Um, but yeah, it's very odd if it's just a storyline knee injury. I mean, maybe maybe something will be said closer to the time and Raquel will sign some waiver so she won't hold WWE responsible. I don't know. But it's very strange that this match is not happening um, and that Becky Lynch versus Trish has been postponed until it'll be the August 14th Raw, won't it, in Canada? Yes. So, I mean, I assume with Becky and Trish, because when they when they do the match later on, it lasts like three seconds and Zoe starts yeah. straight in there. So maybe Trish isn't cleared and that's why she's not wrestling um, yet. But I mean, do you, do you think she had makeup on her nose? Because yeah. her nose looked really bruised, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, or or maybe I mean, it's 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 difficult because these are two fairly big matches that were going to be on SummerSlam. These two women's yeah. matches, and then for them to both sort of be pulled the week of the show, just feels quite strange. Yeah, um, and you know, and we and with nothing to replace them either. With not well, and you know, and instead we've got a Slim Jim Battle Royal, which is on the show. Um, essentially, yeah, I, to me, if it, if it was up to me. If Trish can't do the match, or or for whatever reason you can't do it, have Raquel and Rhea on the show. You know, do even if you do the match on the show and you do like a a weird finish where Raquel's legs still bad and you can take it back the following month. I still think it'd be better to have it on the show than not. But yeah, I mean, you can just do a ref stoppage finish, can't you? Yeah. I mean, Rhea in Raquel, if she's you know seen as a top face, then she's not going to tap out, but she can pass out from pain or. The referee can just stop the match because she can't intelligently defend herself or however they want to phrase it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand it at all. I mean, yeah, t- they were two big matches and um, now neither is on is on the show this Saturday and um, they don't and we have were... to replace them. So I'm I'm completely, yeah, I'm bewildered also, perplexed. And we were, you know, we were, we were praising them. Look, they've got four women's matches on the show. They're all good stories. Like, it was something to kind of hold your hat on. Say, look, look at what we've, we've done. And I think... Yeah. To kind of do this the last week feels quite cheap, but hopefully there is explanations as to why they're not happening, and it's not just a kind of change of mind at the last second. Yeah, may- maybe maybe the minutes they were gonna maybe they just thought, well, hold on a minute. If we do four women's matches, we're not gonna have enough time to allocate to all four of them, and then someone's gonna be shortchanged. But there again, you know, Raquel and Rhea Ripley, you could do six minutes and do a ref stoppage there. And then bring Raquel and Rhea back, you know, the next month, couldn't you? You could do that. Yeah. 
So, so uh, I mean, maybe I mean you would have thought this Shayna and Ronda uh, Ronda Rousey MMA rules match. It's hard for me to believe that's going to be an epic because I would think in order to sell it, the brutality of it, they're going to have to really go for it, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to. Have to yeah, they're going to. Have to they're going to have to really go for it. Um, so I would think that's not going to be a twenty-minute match. No. Um, speaking of SummerSlam matches, obviously Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes have their face-off on this show, um, and there's no stipulation. Um, in the end, Lesnar ends up. You know, they. they Cody offers his hand to Lesnar. Lesnar shakes it. Then there's something said kind of off off mic and they end up uh, fighting. Cody does a really good suicide dive to Lesnar and Lesnar... I mean, what a spot that was, wasn't it? Because because like Lesnar sort of, they shook hands, they said something to each other which we couldn't hear and then Lesnar like crashed into Rhodes, just, you know, shoulder barged him type thing as he walked past him. And that raised, you know, Cody's blood was up at that point, you know, raised his ire. He wasn't going to take that one lying down. So then Lesnar left the ring and he's back to Cody as Cody was running at him. And then Lesnar just turned at the last moment to catch him for the tope. And he showed it on replay and it just, the timing was, you know, impeccable. I mean, just, I mean, I guess maybe it wasn't that difficult what they did. But if Lesnar hadn't turned at the wrong at the right time, and obviously Cody was in motion at that point, we could have had a problem there. Yeah, these. Are, I mean, you, you can tell how much how how much of a pro Lesnar is, how much of a pro Cody is as well. That the yeah. the timing on that was great, um, yeah. and then obviously Lesnar beats the crap out of Cody, um, which you know we we know this is going to lead to Cody now beating him on Saturday. Did I mean? How did you feel about how the because you know, Lesnar really did a did a number on Cody here before the the match. Does that hurt Cody even if he wins, or is that what you need to do to kind of make the point before Cody wins? How did you feel about how he left it? Um, I mean, yeah, it does seem like Lesnar is going to he's going to lose now because he clobbered Rhodes with the ring steps again and again. Uh, finally dropped him with an F five, and it was a proper pasting, wasn't it? He left him laying. Um, does indicate that Cody's going to win. Um, I don't know. I mean, will they work that into the story of the match like they did with the broken arm, storyline broken arm injury? Probably. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be a video package prior to the match that will remind us of this beating that took place on the Raw before SummerSlam. Um, I'm curious to see how this match plays out because, yeah, we think Cody's going to win and it does seem kind of inevitable that he will. But I mean, how's he going to win? Is it just going to be a pin? And you know, Lesnar doesn't really matter, I suppose, if Lesnar loses. But what does Lesnar do next? What's Lesnar's next role in WWE? I thought at the beginning of the year for sure he was going to become part of the Roman Reigns storyline mm-hmm. because we had those Paul hey, Paul Heyman made a few comments about Brock Lesnar. Yep. Which, led me to believe that there was going to be a Reigns and Lesnar union. Now, I thought that might be the case, but I now believe that Jimmy is going to turn on Jay. So Jimmy's going to become, you know, part of, you know, the bloodline if they start calling it that again. So by adding Brock Lesnar to it, that would rather tread on the toes of Jimmy returning to the bloodline, wouldn't it? So that's probably not going to happen. 
So I'm not sure what Lesnar does after SummerSlam. Maybe he has to go away for a while, Kenny. Yeah, I think I think he does need to go away. I mean, I, you're you're right. I don't know what you do with him next. Him getting into the Lesnar, the sorry, the Reigns camp does seem like an interesting proposition. Because uh, apart from that, there's the there's the Gunther match, which we all want and have wanted for you know a while. Yeah. But if you're doing that, that's that's still not till January. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe Lesnar's taking the rest of the year off. Maybe that's well. <laughs> yeah, he'll be possibly. back. He'll, He'll be back for Saudi, obviously, you know. Oh, yeah, of course he will be. Of course he'll be back for that. <laughs> but um, he would, wouldn't miss it. Um, but, yeah. yeah um, I think this was okay. I think they could have done with it as much of an assault on Cody Rhodes because I feel like we've, we've seen that already. But I, I get I get why they're doing it. Um, yeah. I just hope that Cody gets a decisive win on Brock at SummerSlam as a sort of retort, because you want Cody to feel like a top guy who's sort of slayed the beast, not as someone who's just kind of, you know, sneakily got by him. So. That's it, yeah, because, like, the backlash win was kind of fluky, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it needs to be decisive. Um, so, yeah, so, so then we had uh, Gunther taking on Chad Gable in a five-minute challenge. Um, and this was... Great. I mean, Chad Gable, we've talked before about how, you know, good he is. And, um, yeah, I th- I th- I, the more they can do with Chad Gable, the better for me. You know, yes. He's just, he's just, he's so good. He's just so, so good. I, I You know, the fact that the time expired and then Gunther saying, you know, the match isn't over and then they're going to continue and they keep, they, and then they, they, they keep doing the match. Chad Gable just is someone who can do it all. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, this was really good earlier in the show. You know, we had Gunter backstage, and he was disappointed with Ludwig Kaiser. Uh, so Kaiser had a chance to redeem himself against Matt Riddle, and then Kaiser beat Matt Riddle. I mean, I couldn't believe that. I mean, that was quite something to see Kaiser score a win on Riddle, yeah. who desperate he need he needs Randy Orton back, doesn't he, Ken? <laughs> Send for Randy Orton. The fact the fact that he is now below the level of Ludwig Kaiser uh, means he's in trouble. It absolutely does. But then also, uh, you know, we we've talked about it before. I get why they don't push Matt Riddle because he's a he's a live wire. He's he's trouble. Yeah. And um, until Orton comes back, do you want to take the risk on the trouble? Maybe not. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean. What can you do? I mean, he's still really good. I mean, this was a really good match between him and Kaiser. And yes. Riddle's one of those guys who I think will always be over to an extent because, you know, he's so good in the ring. He's so smooth. Everything's just seamless, isn't it? And just effortless. And it just flows. You watch him, you're like, this guy is so damn good at this. Yeah. And, he, you know, he's a character that people like as well. I think he's going to be all right long term. But this looked bad for him that he would lose to Kaiser. So then Gunter congratulated Kaiser. That was really funny. Then uh, Alpha Academy were backstage and then Imperium rocked up and Gunter was just hilarious here. You know, mocking Chad and, you know, calling Otis an idiot. And, um, you know, Gunther, Gunter dismissed Gable, you know, just said that he wasn't in his league. That led to the five-minute challenge. And uh, Chad, of course, lasted five minutes. Then there was an extension. And Gunter really had to work for it. He won after big chops and a power bomb. 
and then stood on the announce table with the microphone and said Drew McIntyre would lose on Saturday. Strangely, Drew McIntyre wasn't on the show. That was a bit odd, wasn't it? Yes, he was uh, apparently away filming his movie that he's in. Um, he's away back filming that in Budapest. So he's he's living quite a, a you know high high class life at the moment is Drew. Off shit movies. Doesn't bode well for his chances on Saturday though, does it? No, no, it does not. I mean, you know, Gunther, you know, it seems more likely he's gonna break the honky tonk man's record. Yes. The more the time goes on. Um but yeah, I mean and then the I mean the thing the other thing on the show that I wanted to talk about quickly is kind of an afterthought as well. It was Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn in the main event against Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest. They had a really good match, but you know, the other stuff in the show just felt so much more exciting, which I, I find quite strange. That it just kind of, that, that it felt more like a kind of a, you know, a tag team house show main event. Yeah. You didn't really get, you know, because they've kind of told us all the story of Valor and Rollins. We're there. We're ready to get to the match. Yeah. So there's not really much more to do there. Sammy's missing KO, who's injured. Dom and Priest don't really have anything to do at SummerSlam. So, I, you know, there wasn't really much to much for them to do. No, it, it was a bit of a strange slot, really. I mean, you know, Dominic had, you know, had a really good night at the Great American Bash. We'll talk about that later in the week. You know, but he's not on the SummerSlam card, you know, in a match. I'm sure he'll be there in some form, you know, sure he'll make an appearance. You know, on the Judgment Day, they had like a really good promo. Who's got to stop us, said Rhea. You know, Dominic said he was going to bring pride back to the Mysterio name, and that led to Raquel coming out, and I think we've already talked about. Uh, but this, yeah, this was kind of kind of a bit of an afterthought, really. You're right, it seemed like everything had already been done to promote the matches. So in a way, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. It's like they'd already, they'd already reached the finish line, hadn't they? And there's nothing left for them to do. <laughs> um, and uh, But I thought there was a, there was a nice little storyline development here. Um where Damien Priest nailed Rollins with the Razor's Edge, Razor's Edge Splash Mountain. And then it's like, oh, you know, Rollins is down. It's time for me to cash in my money in the bank contract. So he summoned Finn Balor, who was at ringside, to, you know, hand the contract to him. And Finn hesitated. And that that then led to Rollins making a comeback um, and scoring the pin on Priest. So it seems like the judgment day are very much divided. This is a red herring, Kenny. This is a red herring. I'm convinced that Finn Balor is winning the title from Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. Convinced of it. Um, so, yeah, we did have that storyline development there. And the message really at the end of the show was the judgment day, you know, are falling to pieces. You know, it's only a matter of time before they're at each other's throats and they're no longer a faction. That was the message but it's the old, you know, leading us down the garden path, making us, you know, think, you know, the thing that's not going to happen, making yeah. us think the reverse of what's actually going to happen. Well, hopefully we will be we will be smug next Tuesday saying we were right and Finn Balor will be the new World Heavyweight Champion. Um, yeah. Listen, that's all the time we've got for today. We'll be back on Thursday with Power Slam. Uh, we'll talk about the Great American Bash. We'll cover uh, Vince's... Uh, Surgery is recent major surgeries had, but we've not we've not a chance to talk about it yet. Um, and of course, predictions for SummerSlam. So plenty yes. coming up. We'll talk a little bit about Adrian Street as well, who passed away yes. yesterday. Yeah, give some time to Adrian Street. You know, who was 
absolute pioneer. So we will uh, spend some time talking about him as well. So lots to cover later in the week. So Patreon's the best way you can support us and get direct access to more content. Patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. It really does mean a lot if you're able to pledge, even if you know you don't have time to listen, but you want to support us. The support is very much appreciated and allows us to keep doing these free podcasts as well for all of you. So uh, yeah, do go check that out. And InsideTheRopesMagazine.com is where you can pick up uh, previous issues. You can pre-order, you can order the current issue, issue 35, which is out now. Uh, with Roman Reigns on the cover, so Roman Reigns falls, and what a cover it is! And nice. I have, I can't say it now, I can't say it now, Kenny, uh-huh. but I've got an idea who's going on the front cover of that next <laughs> issue. I can't say it now, oh, but I no. just hope my master plan comes to fruition. Fingers crossed. Well, listen, I want to thank you for all your support, everybody. Keep your fingers crossed that Finn's cover plan comes to fruition, and uh, we will be back in a couple of days, and we'll talk to you soon. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. 
Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code GLOW.